Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, welcome to Tell Me Your Tales. This week's conversation is with elite marathon runner, distance runner, everything from 3K to the marathon. This guy has absolutely knocked out of the ballpark and run some amazing times. Liam Adams, he's a 2012 Olympian, went to Rio and also has been in the Commonwealth Games at Glasgow. And, you know, if everything goes his way, the next couple of months should be pretty close to getting selected to go to the 2018 Commonwealth Games up on the Gold Coast for the marathon event after running is at 212 marathon just two weeks ago at the berlin marathon so um yeah really enjoyed chatting with liam really grateful that he gave up you know 90 minutes of his saturday afternoon evening um yeah and such a down-to-earth guy for the times he's ran there's just no ego there at all and um just super easy to talk to he's pretty grounded he's an apprentice electrician so working really hard on a trade and also working pretty hard to be one of the greatest or best at the moment marathon runners in Australia. So really inspirational guy and really down to earth and I really hope that you enjoy this chat with Liam. If you get an opportunity, please reach out to him on social media and say you enjoyed the chat if you did and yeah, really get in his corner because I think he deserves people to be really backing him going forward and um, yeah, so good just to be able to talk to some guys so fast and gives us an insight into his training and um, some of the experiences he's had in running so I really hope that you get enjoyment out of this conversation and um, I found there was plenty of moments where I was nodding my head and yeah just agreeing with the things that Liam was saying so uh, going forward it's yeah I'd definitely love to touch base with Liam more regularly and kind of bring you more of his training and insights so hope you enjoy this one and um, yeah reach out to him if you get the opportunity thanks guys enjoy this chat with Liam Adams Radio, Liam Adams, welcome to Tell Me Your Tales podcast. Cheers, Brad. Brady. Last time I saw you were sitting in a bath bathroom in an Airbnb talking a bit of rubbish after the Berlin Marathon. Uh, it's a bit different this time around, hopefully. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a good chat with you. <laughs> so, I got a bit, ex- got a bit yeah. excited with a two twelve man kind of in the room. You just had a kind of breakthrough run at Berlin. I thought this would be a good opportunity to get some content, but. 
I didn't even actually listen to it back. I wasn't game to kind of see, <laughs> listen back and hear what we're talking about. But um, hopefully we'll cover a few of those topics again today and, and go from yep. there. Okay. How'd you pull up first up though? Yeah, pretty good actually. Um, I've still got some marks on the feet, a few blood blisters from the uh, wet conditions and that. But other than that, the legs are really good. And I've done a couple of little light sessions here and there and legs feel like they're fairly recovered. I just haven't really pushed myself too hard at the yeah, moment. which is so. pretty smart, isn't it? Like, you don't, you can't gain anything by rushing back after a marathon. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you need to absorb absorb it a bit and just take it easy for a couple of weeks but also kind of think that you can't really um back it off way too much if you if you go and have two weeks off completely i think by the end of that two weeks you're back to square one you're gonna you're gonna start up and your muscles are gonna be a little bit tight and a little bit shrunk and i think your first run back is going to feel like you just ran a marathon the day before. Well, that's my experience with having two weeks off completely. So you just got to be a little bit active and go for a run every now and then, yeah. How uh, long did you stay over in Berlin for after the race? I did two two extra days. I just, I guess usually I'm flying in and flying out. I'm, I'm there for the race and I don't really get to do much sightseeing. And I thought, well, I'm taking time off work here, so i got to make the most of it and do a couple of – a little bit of sightseeing and stuff like that and, yeah, made the most of it and enjoyed my time there, yeah. It's a pretty cool city, isn't it? Like, I was there for the week before the race and kind of was the same boat. Like, I had a bit of time off work and thought I'll go straight there and just do the tourist stuff without kind of exhausting myself fully. But, it, um, yeah. yeah, it was a cool city. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's – it's got such history and that, and uh, it's good to explore and have a look and um, go over a bit of history and see see what happened in the past and that. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the tours and that. And, uh, yeah, and as a runner, it's a pretty runner-friendly city. So there's lots of trails and that, and it's a good, healthy environment over there. Everyone's quite active, so... It's it quite is. motivating. Yeah. We noticed that because we went from there to the Canary Islands where it was like um, massive tourist kind of uh, island and everyone's a bit overweight and kind of tanning every day. And like it was, um, yeah, whole completely contrast to the Berlin scene where everyone's kind of fit, pretty fit and values their health a bit. Yeah. Yep. Hey, um, what I usually get the the guests to do is introduce themselves. So do you maybe want to just explain to the listeners who you are and what you do? All right, uh, I'm Liam Adams. Uh, I'm getting a bit old in the uh, running community. I'm feeling like a bit of a veteran now. <laughs> um, I, I shifted up to marathon running and uh, made my first Commonwealth Games team in Glasgow. Um, had a decent result there, ran 2.13.49 and came seventh overall. And uh, then... Made my first Olympic team in Rio last year and uh, had an all right result over there, 31st, and probably wanted a little bit quicker of a time, but I just wasn't in that form at the time, so, yeah. Pretty modest. You've won pretty much every <laughs> single other, every single major fun run and significant race in Australia as well, like, you know, City to Bay, Gold Coast Half Marathon, Run the Bridge, Run for the Kids. Sydney Morning Herald half, Launceston 10, National Cross Country, you name it, you've won it. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, just doing research on you before. Like I could not get over how many major races you've won. 
Yeah, there's a bit of a list going. Um, <laughs> it kind of feels like I haven't been going too well recently in those races. Um, but, yeah, hopefully I can get back into that type of shape and start winning some of those big runs again. So, yeah. Do you put that down to kind of stepping up to the marathon and that kind of having a pretty big toll on your body? Oh, not necessarily. Um, I'd say when I'm in peak form or peak shape in marathon training, I can still run a pretty good pretty good 5, 10K in that. I reckon I could have run a PB over the 10K um, in my form towards Chicago Marathon. And in a road race, uh, it was City to Bay in Adelaide. I was two seconds off the uh, course record there, and I th- and I went through 10K in under 28 minutes. So I was in pretty good shape there. Unreal. On the roads as well. It's a pretty good course over there, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a crosswind that year, um, but uh, probably I think most other years there's a little bit of a headwind. So I think I guess it was ideal conditions yep. for there. And you've been running all your life? I uh, yeah, since since about 11, uh, ten or eleven, I was introduced to athletics. Um, I didn't do it out of the schooling system. I I just competed for my school and that and. Uh, it wasn't until my PE teacher told me, oh, you should try out for the cross-country team. And I was quite a sporty person. I loved playing all different sports. I was very competitive. And uh, I thought, you know what, yeah, let's give it a crack and see how I go. And uh, ended up making it all the way to state championships that year. And uh, unfortunately, at state championships, I I came, I got asthma a few, few days out and it was quite severe. So... Um, I didn't run, like, I probably couldn't have ran for the next week or so. Um, but, yeah, the following year, I made it all the way to nationals and won a bronze medal uh, in Darwin. And uh, a couple of years later, I'd still made a couple more um, Victorian teams. And a couple of years later, I was probably a little bit disappointed with my result at nationals. And I thought, um I should probably start training a bit and uh, look at doing it out of the schooling system. So um, I sought out a local coach in Gregor Grigorski and I was very fortunate enough to have such a expert coach who's one of the best in Australia. And uh, from there, that's that's how I was introduced to athletics. It was mainly through cross country, yeah. It's a long time at the top, though, isn't it? Like, you're kind of talking national cross-country and, you know, grade six, year seven kind of stuff, and you're, you're yeah. still up there 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I've seen quite a few friends which have been up there, and they've been quite talented um, athletes. And uh, I guess, yeah, they they have other, I guess, life. You've got all these other challenges and that, and uh, I guess a lot of people can't balance that um balance work and running and stuff like that and i guess others were lost through to other sports other sports had poached them so um yeah i guess i was probably one of the lucky ones to stick with the sport is that what you put it down to though like the fact that you'd been able to balance it well and didn't get the attention taken away in another sport the kind of longevity in it yeah i think there's definitely there's definitely that um you're always going to improve with um training volume and training age and stuff like that so um no doubts that that's put me in good stead to run a good marathon and that so 
yeah, I think that's probably it. And I guess I was quite quite driven to make Australian teams and stuff like that. And that was always my goal to try and represent Australia at the Olympics and stuff like that. And it, it took me a bloody long time to get there. So yeah. but I finally made it last year, which was great. That's, that's a tick for me. Have you been back to see that PE teacher that's seen a bit of talent in you? Uh, I, I've been back there a couple of times and uh, I did there a couple of little events that they have and, a little speech at the school and I thanked her for introducing me to the sport yeah yeah it's pretty special that isn't it kind of um I just know now as a teacher like you see these kids come through and you see their talent and I think it's you watch the way that you race though and it was probably that grit that she saw um early on like you've just got that sense of determination and even I was just looking I was looking at some of your YouTube wins at like the city to surf and things like that against Shelley and You've yeah. just kind of got that bit of mongrel about you that you don't like anyone passing you in the last 200 metres. Yeah, uh, I reckon I probably had that a bit more as a junior and uh, I think I've probably lost it over the few, last few years and I kind of want to get it back really, yeah. Yeah, why, why do you think you lost it? Oh, I don't know. I just kind of feel like I've been a little bit more content um, with coming second and third. I guess I haven't felt too disappointed with those type of results or or yeah running just under a pb i don't know I, I feel that i was always chasing a pb when i was younger and i was very disappointed if i didn't get it and i'd be driven to work even harder to get it so um i feel like i've lost it a little bit and i just want to get that back and i've kind of felt like this last year since that injury from rio i've lost it a fair bit and i've been a, a little bit of a different runner since then so yeah well, let's maybe talk. We'll get to that kind of now, I guess. I was planning for it a bit later on, but the step up to the marathon in 2013 at Melbourne to to qualify for the Com Games, like 2.14 first up on, you know, Melbourne sometimes fast, sometimes slow kind of thing. So you would have been pretty impressed with that step up and debut marathon? Yeah, yeah, I was qu- quite happy. It was quite unknown how I was going to run. Um, I guess everyone's in the same boat as what I was that, that day. Um, it was... You just, I've, I've just been told stories of how, you, how you're going to feel after 20k, 30k, and what hitting the wall is going to be like, and you're going to experience it, and it's going to be the worst feeling you've ever had in a race. So I was a little bit scared and and nervous of how that was going to go, and I felt amazing right up until 30k, and then once they, they got, I was in the front pack, and um, the guys decided to make a move, and they made about it. They ran that next cane about 250, and I kind of went with them, and I'm going, oh, these guys can run about a 60, 61 half marathon. Maybe I should back it off a bit and um, ease it up and go to my own pace. And I still ran that cane about 254, but I felt the pinch a K or two later, and <laughs> I blew up a bit, yeah. 254 at the 30K mark uh, going down. Yeah. What's that road down there, like the beach road Thank in uh, Alwood there? It was uh, – at that mark, I was going down St Kilda Road. St. That's Kilda when we Road, yeah. yeah. Well, while we're here as well, just give the listeners, if they haven't heard of you, yeah, obviously they're not paying a, a lot of attention to the Australian and international kind of racing scene, but do you want to maybe just go through your PBs, maybe from 3K up to the marathon? Okay. Um, yep. Uh, my PBs are for 3K, it's 7.53. Um, I did that in 2011. 
Uh, for 5K, I, I've done 1331.21 in, in California in 2013. And for 10K, I've done 2811, also in California, and that was in uh, 2012. My half marathon, <laughs> I should have uh, smashed this PB a long time ago because it was actually a PB from my first half marathon, and that, that's... 63 uh, minutes and 28 seconds on Gold Coast in 2012. And I've got within a second or two of that result two or three times. So, <laughs> and off probably not the best shape. So, a bit disappointed in that. And uh, my marathon personal best is 212.52 from Berlin, Berlin uh, the other week. So, yeah. It's funny thinking about all those dates, isn't it? Like 11, 13, 12, 12, and then 2017, like getting that marathon PB the other week must yeah. have been um, a bit of kind of, not I guess pressure off, but a bit of a relief that you've got a current PB on the board. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was starting to get a fair bit of doubts on uh, how I was tracking and whether I'd be able to run a PB again just because it had all these horrible results over the marathon, it just seems like everything would go wrong. So it was quite a relief to run a, a personal best off probably what wasn't the best form I've ever been in going into a marathon. So yeah. yeah. So when you say kind of some terrible marathons, you got to put that in context because they're still really quick. But I guess I've just got enlisted here. So the two fourteen debut at Melbourne, then you went to the yeah. Com Games and ran two thirteen, and everything's yeah. kind of going in the right direction there with a seventh place overall. And, and then, then it went back. <laughs> but then the plan was to obviously qualify for Rio, and I guess when you've ran two fourteen, two thirteen at you know, the the story's kind of written that you'll be the next guy and you'll be on all the teams and you'll just keep getting quicker and quicker, but it didn't kind of pan out that way and qualifying for Rio was probably a bit bigger of a challenger than um, you thought it was going to be? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I was very confident that I was going to make the Rio team and uh, once I had that hamstring go at the 22K mark in Chicago and I was on about 2.11 pace at the time, I was just like... Oh no! What's going on here? <laughs> Never experienced this before, and uh, I thought I was still on a good time, so I was just going to push to the line, and it just got worse and worse as the race went on. So, um, yeah, I was quite disappointed with that result, but you were still it up and stuff, weren't you? Like you had to stop and stretch it out. Yeah, I stopped about five times. The first time I stopped was probably twenty four, twenty five k's into it. So, yeah. um, I twinged the hammy. It was at on a corner around about the 22k mark and I was it was feeling like it was twinging and pulling every now and then up until about the 25k mark and I just had to stop and stretch it out and the by about 30k I, the one of the race officials was following me the whole way because I, I think they thought that I was going to pull out so uh, but luckily I didn't and I've never pulled out of a race well not until the the race after that yeah. so but, uh, so like, th yeah. thinking that would have been like you go to Chicago, which is what, 10, eight months before Olympics, you kind of get the qualifier on the board and then you just worry about running well at the Olympics. Was that the initial plan? Well, it was to run well, get the time on the board and then uh, go have a standard track season and uh, try and see if I could run some times and qualify in some other events. But I was probably going to choose the marathon anyway if I did. But... 
yeah, that went out the window as soon as that happened. I knew it wasn't going to be time that was going to get me in the team. And two weeks later, uh, oh, actually it was a week later, Brad Milosevic uh, ended up knocking me out of the, um, the top three. So, yeah, obviously I was going to have to run a new, an, another marathon and uh, chose Lake Biwa. Yeah, that's right, in March, and then you went there and it was a DNF. Yeah, first DNF I've ever done in any race as even since a kid. So um, I've kind of always prided myself on pushing right to the line, regardless of how much it's hurting. I've always managed to finish a race. And I guess when you've you've always lived by that and uh, you've got an Olympic spot on the line and you know that what's happened you could probably recover from and probably reload and try and qualify in the next month or so, um, I kind of felt that it was probably the wisest decision, especially when I was at the 35K mark and I had looked at my watch and I knew that there was no possible way of I was going to improve on my race from Chicago or get that third spot. So I thought it was a wise decision to pull out and I don't know. It's kind of a little bit shameful, but it worked out in the end. Yeah. Well, in hindsight, so yeah, there was a right decision, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. So and you were flying early in that race too. Like, what did you split kind of ten k in that day? Can you remember? It was a bit suicidal, really. <laughs> um, I felt well. I kind of was stiff before the race, and I was quite concerned at how stiff the back was and the hammies were, and uh, put deep heat through the back and the hammies and. And that, and when I got going, when I was racing, I felt awesome. I felt like I was just cruising along, doing a bit of a, a tempo run. And the first 10K, um, I've ran through in about 30.15 or something like that. And I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? It's just way too quick. And uh, I kind of looked around. I'm like, there's no one behind me, but there's a decent pack that I'm sitting with and I kind of just went with them and I just stuck in that pack and we went through halfway in about 64, 41 or 45 around that and uh, by then everyone was blowing up and what I'd worked out is uh, that a lot of the guys which do that race, they're, they're there to run a quick half marathon to qualify for other big events or a half marathon championships which was later on. So a lot of them would just run as hard as they could for halfway and then just run the last last half of the race just heavy as and just blowing up. So it was a it was a different race to what you'd experience anywhere else. Yeah, you hear that about the Japanese marathons. It's like, yeah, you either go for it or um, you don't kind of thing. There's no kind of pacing yourself early on. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing was... <laughs> pulling out of that race it was shameful because they're all about finishing that their whole culture is about finishing at all costs they um they they're just absolute animals they the way that they run and they will push themselves into the ground and they probably won't walk for a day or two if necessary, but they'll, they'll make that finish line. They'll definitely make that finish line. So Yeah. So what was the headspace like after that? So you've kind of, you know, the Chicago plan hasn't gone gone well and then the Lake BYU backup hasn't gone well and it's like, what were you kind of thinking? Well, it was kind of a worse nightmare, really. I'm just like, I should be 
running a time to qualify and I know I can qualify. It's just I can't finish a race properly and there was lots of doubts in my head um, at that time but I still knew that I was in pretty good shape and the fact that I went through halfway and still felt good at the time that I pulled the hamstring, it's just had to pull out because that that issue um, at the 27k mark in Lake Biwa and that was I knew exactly when it went it was when I leant over to grab a drink um, at a drink station I just felt it pull and I'm just like oh no (laughs) I knew what was happening but yeah what kind of support did you have then like are you calling someone to kind of discuss it after the race or was that the year like Zacker and Mattress and that were over there like did you have them as a bit of a sounding board because it could be quite lonely being you know a couple of hours flight away and uh, not having a support team around you well I had those guys and uh, we were chatting after the race and some of those boys had some good results so they were quite happy in that and uh, we were chatting in uh, I think it was Mattress's room and we were chatting away and we're they were all getting behind me saying, look, yeah, you know that you can run quicker, you got to reload. And I was thinking the same thing too. There was a reason to why I kind of pulled out. I just wanted to give myself the best opportunity to reload and see if I can give it another crack. And uh, the question was, could I recover in time and uh, and get another marathon under the belt before the qualifi- qualification period ended? Yeah, so were you just like in the hotel room just on Google, like Google and what races are in between that race and the qualifying cutoff time? I actually did, yeah. yeah I, I could I, imagine. I went out and was looking at some races that I could possibly do and London was one and uh, we we tried to get into that race but um, I, I was being told, oh, look, um, we'll respond, to, we'll reply to you soon and I got a few weeks of we'll reply to you soon and whatever else and and then they replied two weeks later and they're like, oh, sorry, you entered too late. And I was just thinking, why couldn't you have told me this two weeks before immediately when I had emailed you? So we went and uh, were searching for some other races and I was quite lucky that um, my old coach, Gregor, uh, his best friend, uh, runs uh, the Warsaw Marathon on the last day. So... Uh, it was uh, London and Warsaw, which was on the last day, and um, yeah, it worked out well because it was a quality race and uh, managed to sneak that qualifying time in the end. Yeah, two fourteen, fifth overall, would have been stoked yeah. with that. Oh, definitely. I didn't expect to finish that high up, and we, I kind of went in there not knowing if I could hit uh, the pace that I wanted. I wanted two fifteen. I thought that that would qualify and. It would put the pressure on uh, a few of the boys which were doing London, which was an hour or so later than my event. So I thought if I could run that, then the pressure's on them to try and chase my time. And uh, once I once I crossed that line, I knew I'd done enough. So it was just wait and see and watch uh, London Marathon and see how the boys went. Well, it was an interesting time for Australian marathon running because it was – it was almost like this narrative just unfolding in front of our eyes and you weren't really sure who the three guys who were going to go to the um, Olympics were going to be because I think Vlad also had the time was lining up at London and Mottram was making his debut and Brad had kind of ran 2.16 and Jeff was there, wasn't he? And um, Yeah. Yeah, there was a whole – it could have been a – like I think Michael Shelley was probably guaranteed, but the, the other oh, two I... spots was just like you could flip a coin and you just weren't sure with the unpredictability of the marathon what was going to happen. 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was very interesting, and I think it made for a very interesting last day um, of the qualification period. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people were had their theories on how it would pan out and and that, and uh, I tried to keep keep it a little bit of a secret that I was doing Warsaw Marathon and surprise a few people. But uh, I think that got leaked by Marty Dent a week or two before that. So Yeah, Marty put it on Twitter or something, wasn't he? I yeah. think he just gone through and checked the entry list or something like that and had a screenshot of it or something like that. And I, I think I probably could have got away with it. Um, I, I was actually checking the entry list and I didn't see my name on the entry list. I'd confirmed that I was racing in that and would organised that I was racing with the race organiser and uh, – didn't see my entry on the uh, entry list, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should put another entry in just so that it's all all sorted and that. And uh, the entry that Marty Dent found was the one that I put online. So <laughs> stitch uh, yourself up. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, How did you deal with that pressure, though? Like, I know it's all said and done now, and it's good just to be able to sit back and kind of laugh about it and kind of think of uh, of the time as. Um, you know, not as stressful as it was, but sure, you were pretty stressed. Like, this is an Olympic kind of singlet on the line here. Yeah, it was. And having those two races, those two marathons previous to Warsaw, in in the back of my mind was absolutely horrible. It was like, is the same thing going to happen again whilst I'm racing? And it wasn't the greatest conditions there. And uh, I thought I was a bit in a bit of strife. Um, at about the 20k mark when the pack that I was with um, decided to work against each other and it was basically who wanted to take the lead and they were slowing down a heap and uh, I decided that's it, I'm just going to go for from here and uh, get a, get myself back on pace and uh, managed to click through a couple of quite kick, quick k's uh, towards the end and uh, got myself back on pace and uh, got to the line in the time I needed, so... <laughs> it was such a relief, really. And it was also, like, that was your third marathon in the space of like six months as well, wasn't it? Like, it was, they're fairly close together when you think about it. Yeah, and that's kind of a bit unheard of for, for Australian marathon running. Uh, you, you kind of, your typical marathon runner will probably do one, maybe two uh, marathons per year. And yeah, if you're pushing two, then um, I don't know, you, you're kind of going against the grain of what most people would think would be ideal for marathon running so to do three in the space of that six months and uh still run a decent time on the third one i was just over the moon really yeah and what did you put any strategies in place to deal with that pressure like you kind of said you were kind of trying to lessen the noise a bit and not not get a lot of people involved that um you were going to actually do that event but were you i don't know meditating or kind of doing some breathing techniques or how were you keeping yourself level-headed with all that pressure well um i tried to get into uh, London Marathon and uh, a few people knew that I was trying to get into Mar- uh, London Marathon and I didn't end up getting into it so I thought oh what why didn't I get into London so I thought all right I'll just keep this one sec- uh, quiet and a bit of a secret and um, let people think that I'm not racing or whatever coming into that last day and then I'd put all my cards on the table before that so I thought well, if they're, they're under the impression that I'm not running, then 
they're under the impression that they need to run what um, Yugi ran um, in Melbourne. So I thought that was probably the best option for me. So I was being a little bit coy there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, just on that, because I'd find it quite interesting to know as well, what's kind of the process when you're talking about trying to get into these races? Is it, you know, send an email or is it your manager emailing or how does that work, the kind of negotiations to get into these big city marathons? Well, for Chicago, um, Brendan got me into that and he did a really good job with that. I had flights and that paid for and they looked after me quite well and um lake BYR, i also had um flights paid for and stuff like that so um it was looking quite well and then uh for warsaw the fact that i was entering so late and all that i was just like um i'm probably gonna have to use some singapore flights that i'd won in a race in a fun run and i thought if i could tell the race organizers that i'm willing to pay for my way there and all that, that they'd probably let me enter later. And usually the cutoff dates for marathons are uh, more than a few months before that. And uh, I think Warsaw was still taking on marathon um, registration. So uh, I probably didn't need to do that. But I thought if I could say that, then they'd let me get an elite start and stuff like that. So I think that's how I, I ended up with Warsaw. Yeah, and do you do some of that yourself or does Brendan manage all that for you or do you have to shoot some emails off and talk yourself up now and then to kind of get into the races? Well, um, for for Berlin, I, I kind of had to do it all myself and, uh, yeah, I, I tried my best and <laughs> to, to get something from Berlin, but, yeah, I was had to pay, pay my way there and, pay for accommodation i was only going to get one night free accommodation so um so yeah i think that's i think for those type of events they put all their money into the top guys which are trying to break the world record so um i think for guys like me you're gonna have to pay your own way to get there Pretty brutal, isn't it, though? Like, especially coming from Australia, you're kind of looking at, you know, two grand for return flights for you to chase your goal to be one of the best runners in Australia. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is it is quite expensive, but there, there are little grants here and there which can help you out, and uh, <laughs> I forgot to apply for a grant, so it was all out of my own pocket, and I guess now that I'm working, it's, it's not too bad. I, I, I could afford to do it, so... Yeah, well, let's get to that because not many people would know that you're also working full-time as an apprentice electrician, yeah? Yeah, yep. Um, I started, it was a week or two after Chicago Marathon and I was planning before Chicago Marathon to do that. I was just thinking, well, I'm coming to that that age group and I wasn't getting support from Athletics Australia and sponsorship was cut a bit so I was only getting a bit of product from then on in and I thought well I've got to start thinking about the future really <laughs> um, it is expensive to travel overseas and any little race that you do in Australia any fun run that has a little bit of prize money on uh, you kind of use that money up in those months and to you use it to travel so I thought geez I'm not saving any money <laughs> uh, I'm getting to a point where you need to start thinking about the future, buying a house and whatever else, and thought, geez. And and the fact that I, I had done a 
a university degree and I thought I've actually got to start thinking about the future and I thought you know what I want to do what I originally wanted to do out of high school and and it was a trade and I chose to become a electrician and uh yeah it's the thing is I really enjoy work and uh it doesn't it's not too exhausting on the body for the fact that I really enjoy it and I guess they go hand in hand they distract each other so the work distracts you from whenever you have something bad going wrong with your running and if running's stressful then you can always take it out with your with vice versa and that so um i've kind of feel that it's been good for the running except for this past few few months or half year or year since uh rio when i got injured and struggled to get that motivation back for the running but I, I feel that it's coming back now after that result from berlin yeah it must have been challenging at the start especially like you said around chicago when that marathon didn't go to plan and then you probably i can imagine flying back and off to work kind of a few days later yeah yep and uh i guess i was new to work so i was a bit nervous about what was expected of me and how it was all going to go and uh I picked it up pretty quickly and started to enjoy it really quickly and it kind of felt like I was getting paid to do a bit of a hobby kind yeah, of. But, uh, yeah, and it's it's really enjoyable work and uh, I felt that I've been able to balance it well and going into Rio, I balanced it really well on that. So, yeah. Well, do you think sometimes people kind of give up work to focus on running and then they almost focus on running too much and it kind of does their head in and when things don't go well with the running, it's um, there's nothing else in life that they can kind of put their attention into? Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely feel that's the way and uh, I guess there was a period when I kind of was coming towards the, my, the end of my university and that and I was having a lot more free time and through the day. So you'd do a run in the morning and a, a run at night and you had a whole big period of the day where you weren't doing much at all and oh I don't know I, I feel that you're putting a lot more stress on yourself when you're when you're putting all your eggs in the one basket and things might not be going the way that you want it to go then I think it can get a lot worse for yourself so if you've got that distraction then I feel you've got an avenue where you can kind of distract yourself from all the bad things and you can reset your, your mind and your body and come back to your running and your training and get it right again yeah and even i find just like socially being around people who aren't runners as well and kind of it kind of um just puts you back in your spot a bit and you realize that the whole world doesn't revolve around your running and um you understand that there's other people kind of living their own life and um you know some people don't really give two hoots about running and it's kind of good kind of sometimes to level you out a bit yeah uh, definitely uh levels you back to the ground and uh yeah i guess it's kind of good um having just normal conversations which don't involve running and and that so what about so, with the um like obviously work you work pretty like full-time don't you so like you're banging out kind of 40 50 hours a week uh yeah so working full-time and most weeks are roughly around 42 44 hours a week and sometimes it's more sometimes it's a little bit less maybe 40 41 so yeah it's it's a bit full-on but um i've got a bit of a routine going on 
um, what I need to do with my training and that. I, I definitely don't do doubles anymore, um, especially when you've got to w- wake up for work at se- um, or, or well, be at work at 7 or 7.30. I just feel that I don't have the time yeah. to do a, a morning run. So I pack it all into the one run in the afternoon and I guess I, I see a little bit of benefit from that. Um, kind of, well, I don't know if I've uh, convinced myself this, but I feel that the fact that I'm pushing all my mileage into the one one run a day and that, I kind of feel it's a bit more specific for marathon running. Yeah, and even, um, you know, nearly getting 24 hours to recover between sessions. Like, it's not like you're out the door again in the morning 12 hours later and then, you know, given that extra time to recover and then reload. Yeah, yeah, that and I guess you kind of get a little bit more eager to get out there and go for your run what, rather than waking up and, I don't know, I'm not the, the biggest or best morning person so it's hard for me to get out the door when it's freezing cold and it's pitch pitch uh, black yeah especially in winter and stuff that's uh, oh yeah (laughs) it's horrible but it's a little bit more motivating say if you can get out the door at about five in the afternoon um when you get back from work and and yeah just stack it into the one yeah and and be a bit more efficient with your uh time management and allow yourself to get a little bit more sleep so i guess i've convinced myself that what i'm doing is right i reckon it is if you're banging out two 12 marathons and top 10 at berlin it's got to be got to be working yeah and will you still do like 200k a week when you're training for a marathon working full-time uh yes um there was periods that i've been doing that and for rio i was doing that and for a couple of the other marathons i was getting that far out like that much distance but um for this one i probably only managed for for berlin i only really managed about a month of 200k weeks it was probably just under a month maybe three weeks and then after that i was probably only getting about 180s maybe 180s 190s and then it got back to some old bad habits that i was experienced when i was a little bit um when i was struggling with some motivation so um i kind of felt that my thursday nights i would need to sleep to recover from work i was a little bit exhausted wasn't getting enough sleep through the week so um i was getting into some bad habits and i was probably only managing about 160k a week so i had a probably about a five or six week patch where where i was only getting 150 160k weeks and uh it wasn't looking like Berlin was going to be a good result for me yeah well you were talking about those bad habits I think after the race and kind of just saying that you know you're getting home from work exhausted and you'd kind of maybe tell yourself you'll have a nap and then you'll do the session and then you'd wake up and then move the session to Friday and then maybe ditch that and then put the session in the long run and do that kind of combined Um, but where's that fine line between that not being a bad habit and that just being listening to your body yeah well to an extent, I actually felt that when when I felt tired on those nights, it was just a lack of sleep. It was I was probably only getting about five or six hours sleep maximum for that week, and I just felt that I was getting a bit of a runny nose and a little bit run down, and I just need to go to go for a sleep. And I think having that night off, it just felt like I probably saved myself from getting sick. Getting a, getting a serious cold or whatever and struggling for the next two or three weeks just because I got sick. So 
it was it may it may have been a bit of a blessing, but uh, I think for other pro, um, other programs that I've done, um, I've managed to get five do do quality um, programs off just five six hours sleep. And going into Rio, I was there was a couple of weeks where I was only getting five six hours um, per night, and uh, still managed to do really good sessions and get the runs done so when I was going into Berlin and the fact that I wasn't getting those sessions or runs done I just kind of felt that I wasn't probably giving it my all towards Berlin and that the prep wasn't that great really yeah yeah it's um it's pretty amazing really when you think about all the things you're juggling like you know five or six hours sleep's not ideal for marathon training having to change your training because you're working full time and then you know the next thing is you're on a plane going to the Olympics and you you run quite well there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess when when you're really motivated and and that and you you're driven. Say for me, Olympics have been a life goal that I've wanted to achieve, and uh, the fact that I was training for the Olympics, there was a lot of purpose in what I was training towards and I was running and getting the gains that I wanted and everything was going well and quite right and I guess for Berlin a lot of things weren't going right and I just wasn't getting that consistency that I'd like and uh, I guess it played on the motivation a bit and I just thought um, yeah that's been a bit of an issue this last year and the fact that I didn't have that motivation. I just felt like I haven't been the same type of runner I was pre pre Olympic. So I just wanted to find that and try and get that back. And the fact that I wasn't helping myself um, achieve that by taking a day off, I just kind of felt that I wasn't being serious. But um, I guess yeah, it actually probably did play into my hands that I saved myself from getting sick and. Uh, managed to run a good time so I think that if I can get everything right and give myself a bit more sleep in my next program I go to bed a little bit earlier then everything will fall into place and I should knock off a lot of time on my PB. So it's amazing though how did you stand on that start line with any confidence in Berlin two weeks ago um, thinking that there was a possibility that you're going to run well? Well I'd done some pretty good sessions that I was really happy with and I thought, yeah, these have been quite marathon specific and I think these are going to help me over the last half of the race or last 10K of the race and um, I had that confidence but there wasn't that consistency and the fact that I wasn't getting that mileage and, and that, I just thought, oh, I'm going to struggle here a bit and I thought, you know what, my PB is not that great. Um I ran my PB ages ago, and I should have been running quicker than that since then, that a PB is definitely still achievable. And I thought, if I can get a PB, that could possibly get me on the uh, Commonwealth Games team. So that was the goal going into it, and I thought, if I can kind of run it like I did uh, for Warsaw and just time trial it a bit, that I should be able to run the time that I want and get into that team. and. And yeah, I managed to do that. Do you find that you're um, you're almost a big time racer as well? Like, is there a switch that goes off in your head once that gun goes, and it's the preparation doesn't worry you anymore because it's time to race? 
Well, I think for those big type of races, you put in a bit more pre- um, preparation and a bit more emphasis on those races. So your whole program's geared to those big races. So everything you do in that program's geared towards running your fastest on that day. And if you can try and tick um, most of those boxes, then you should be in good stead uh, going into that race. And I feel that I've done that for quite a few of my races. It's just I've had horrible things go wrong on the day. It, it's Marathon's not – you you haven't completed the marathon through doing all your training and there's still a million things that can go wrong on race day. And uh, as I've experienced with many of uh, my recent marathons, that that's that can happen. And uh, I kind of felt like I'd lost that a bit. Um, for, for Glasgow on that, I, I, I ran well and I thought that it was quite a good result and, and that, but just recently I felt like I wasn't getting it right and and same with three I kind of felt that everything would fall into place and that I'd run a lot better than what I did and I thought top 30 was going to be achievable there but and I was going to run a lot quicker than what I did but I managed um, 31st and that was that wasn't too bad but the time was quite disappointing so I've kind of been a bit nervous going into these races especially Berlin knowing that a lot of things haven't gone right for these big races that I've been spending a few months trying to prepare for. So Yeah, well, let's spend some time just talking about Rio for a minute. So, like, are you a harsh judge saying that it, the time wasn't that good, though? Because, you you know, your PB was 2.13, you've run 2.16. It's a hot day. It wasn't a fast course. Like, no one was running PBs on that day, were they? Uh, no, I don't think many people um if you check the results i think a few people did run pbs and that but um as as i said before i felt that my my pb from glasgow i could definitely improve on and i could still do it in in a marathon such as um rio when you when you're that geared up and pumped up um to represent Australia and you just feel that you're going to go to that next level. Um, like you've done all the training, you've trained the house down and it's on the race day. Stage. You're on the big stage, it's race day and you just think that everything's going to fall into place and you're just going to have the best race of your life. And <laughs> I kind of thought that that was going to happen and it just did not feel like that from the the starting gun <laughs> so what about yeah. the whole olympic experience like you know in the florida kind of training camp beforehand and then opening ceremonies and in the village like talk me through all that stuff because that must just be for a kid that started at athletics when he was you know 10 years old and then you find yourself in that situation was that just blowing your mind oh definitely yeah um well i got into the um the camp in florida a bit late because i was doing a bit of altitude training um, in Flagstaff, um, so um, I missed most of the team. They they left the day that I got there. So um, there was still quite a few of the distance guys there, and um, that was quite a bit of an experience uh, going to to that academy over there. <laughs> Jeez, those kids have got it got it good. <laughs> yeah, yeah coming from a bloke who's doing an electrician apprenticeship, like working yeah. hard here, they've got oh. an awesome setup. They've just got the they've they've just got the best facilities and uh, 
geez, they, they get treated well. And, uh, yeah, that was just a really good experience over there. But um, I uh, didn't really have the best experience in camp. I, I got some type of severe bug over there. I had a bit of gastro and I uh, didn't leave the room for a full day. I had stomach pains and, and that and I didn't eat for the whole day. I, I just stayed in bed and slept the whole day just because I was in so much pain. And uh, skipped that session that I was supposed to do that day just because of it. And then the next day, I kind of went for a jog and just changed my days around. And I still managed a good session. The session that I was supposed to do on that day, I managed to do a pretty good session a couple of days later, which was in some ridiculous humidity. And uh, the fact that I did that on that on that day, I just felt that that's far worse than what I'm going to experience in Rio with humidity and temperature and that if I could do that then I should feel pretty good in the Rio conditions and uh, yeah once once uh, I got into Rio it was halfway through um, through the program so um, a lot of things had happened and uh, you just heard all these stories about how how the accommodation was and stuff like that and you're kind of thinking oh well kind of lucky that i'm going into into the um village a bit later than uh everyone else so um but once i got there it was it was good it was really enjoyable and the the village was amazing like just everything that was offered to the athletes was great it's just i guess you had a couple of things that you're probably not used to seeing in Australia, so it was a couple of uh, there was a little bit of skirting falling down from uh, the uh, rooms that we were staying in, and a couple of live wires. And as an electrician, you just look at that and go, "Wow, how, how do you, how can you possibly get away with that?" So you didn't get uh, up there and fix any stuff. They didn't ask you to jump up on a table and fix something. Uh, well, I, I don't know their regulations and legalities over there, so <laughs> I'm not touching it. So yeah. Yeah, and opening ceremony, did the athletics team, like, did you go there? Oh, no, I was still in Flagstaff still in for the camp. opening Yeah, right. Uh, well, I was in Flagstaff, and uh, apparently the Australian athletics team had a bit of a thing going at the Florida camp, so I missed out on that too. They had a bit of a, a ceremony, and they all got their jackets on and all that, and uh, I'm still... I'm still in Flagstaff and I'm trying to watch it on TV and it wasn't live. They they did it two hours later. So it was just like it took away from the experience of seeing it all and and the excitement. So um, I was a little bit disappointed and uh, I still haven't been able to wear that jacket, the opening ceremony jacket. I've never had an opportunity to wear it. So <laughs> I'm spewing about that. Oh, if anyone's out there and wants Liam Adams to come along as a guest speaker to get to wear the jacket for the first time, let us know. <laughs> yeah. is that kind of a bit bittersweet like you know you're sitting in the you know your hotel room or your bungalow or whatever it is at flagstaff and you're watching the opening ceremony on the tv and you're kind of thinking well you was your because your event was pretty much the last day wasn't it so yeah there's no yeah, good yeah. being there that early but at the same time you're missing out on kind of an opening ceremony for an olympics you work so hard to get to yeah i, I kind of did want to experience it but i just thought that Obviously, you're there to compete, and you want to do the best. Um, but you want to do the best for yourself. So, what's best for you? And uh, it was definitely the best thing to not be in the village for that long, and that. So, um, 
Yeah. And then what about like call room and stuff like that? You know, like Elliot Kipchoge's kicking around and Galen Rupp and kind of like the best runners in the world. And, you know, you're about to stand on the start line of an Olympic marathon. How is that kind of experience? Well, it was it was all a bit of a blur and such a rush. It was, we were like into the call room, like get your chip on, get your shoes on quickly, go, 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 get out there. And uh, then they push you outside and uh, then you're behind the start line just running up and down trying to keep warm because it was still raining at that time. So um, it was quite an experience seeing such amazing runners around warming up and uh, preparing for a race that you were going to do yourself. So, um, <laughs> yeah. It's such an experience, yeah. You don't go like all fanboy and anything, do you? Brad Croker was getting into me before Berlin because I was like, you know, there's Kipchoge and there's Bikili. Like I wasn't even focusing on my own race, just uh, so stoked to be in the presence of those guys. Well, I, I kind of feel that, yeah, you probably got to focus, focus on your race and probably it's exciting to see those guys and that. And at Ber- Berlin, uh, when we were doing our warm-up, we uh, – stumbled across Bikili and we were running the same pace for him as our warm-up and it was like four minutes a K. I'm just like, looked at my watch, I'm like, no, we've got to slow down a bit and Mitch <laughs> just seemed to – he just seemed to uh, – I think he was getting a bit excited and he jumped on the back of Bikili and I'm like, Mitch, slow down a bit here. <laughs> Save it for the race. And, uh, yeah, I guess you do get a little bit of excitement and a bit of adrenaline and I think it probably contributes to your race too. But um, – I don't know. I haven't worked out if if that's probably best or if you should uh, refrain from getting too excited for that and focus on your race. I don't really know what the uh, best uh, solution is, really. Yeah, well, I said to Brad, I'm like, I've got 42K to start focusing on my race. It's okay <laughs> 10 minutes before before the start. You don't want to be too up and about on the start line. Otherwise, you'll go through 10K in 30.05 or whatever you did at BY. <laughs> Just super stoked. Yeah. Um, back to the American stuff, like you said about the facilities and stuff over there, did you ever get offered any scholarships to go over and do the American system, like straight out of high school? Yeah, I, I had a few approaches when I was in high school. I had a couple of calls at like two o'clock in the morning saying that they were interested in, uh, recruiting me and all that stuff. And I was quite tempted and I was quite interested in doing it, but, um, I just heard many stories that. I think it was before a lot of Australians had had some, some, some recent success over there. There was um, stories that you get burnt out if you go there. You, they don't know what they're doing, the coaches and stuff like that, and that if you went there, they were just going to train you into the ground, and if you weren't performing, then there goes your scholarship and you're back to Australia. So um, I'd been warned that, and uh, – my coach at the time, Gregor, was strictly against me going, so I did what was what he thought was best because he seemed to know a lot uh, with my running and seemed to get the results for me. So, um, yeah, I listened to him and uh, didn't take up any of those scholarship offers. Yeah, yeah. Um, take me through as well some of the significant wins that have really stuck into your mind. We kind of spoke about them at the start of the show that pretty much every major fun run in Australia you've won. But do any really stick in your mind as kind of like top three fondest moments for from race experiences? Um, I'd definitely have to say Cedar to Surf is right up there. Um, back to back as well, wasn't it? Oh, I think the first one really. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I was running really well and I was absolutely buggered with a couple of K to go and I was still mixing it with Shelly and I was just like, before I'd made that turn, I felt, oh, I'm just hanging on for dear life here. Shelly's about to make his move on this corner. I'm going to have to uh, make a bit of a move if I'm going to try and uh, hold on to him. And Shelly made a bit of a move and I, I responded and managed to find myself in front and I just thought, oh, you know what, I'm going to push to the line and go for it and uh, managed to run away with the win. So that was a bit of a shock to me and it was, it was a pretty good result. So I was quite happy with that one and, that one. and I guess the backing it up and the, the following year, um, there's probably a little bit less um, – it was probably a little bit less of a shock but – I went there and ran it solo and ran it hard and still ran a reasonable time. So I was quite happy with that result too. Yeah, I watched that, as I said before, watched that uh, Cedar Surf against Shelley earlier on today. And kind of you just left a bit of a gap for you around that inside with the with the last corner with 300 metres to go. And you kind of just snuck through and just put in the quick four steps and you were kind of away. You must have been running yeah. so scared that last 250 though. I was because I could definitely feel the lactic acid building up and I thought, oh, no, I'd gone too early. But Ben St. Lawrence it gave me a little bit of advice on where to go, where I should be looking to make the run home. And uh, I think he may have done the same thing to Shelly the year before. So uh, I attempted that and got myself in front and I thought, oh, well, Shelly's got, he's actually got a bit of speed. He, he's ran a 338, 1500. He's ran quicker than me. So um, I thought, you know what, he's probably going to come over the top of me here, but I was just running scared and yeah, managed to get, get to the line first. So a bit shocked. Yeah. But it's a bit of that grit, like that, how bad do you want it kind of thing. Like, remember that it's, one? Um, oh, of course you remember it. You were there. Like, the one down in, I think it was Hobart, run the bridge where they finished inside and you and Benny were just like neck and neck and they had to get the photo developed to kind of see who won it that year. Like a similar yeah. story again. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was basically. It was a case of who wanted it more and he he wanted it more. He he did want it a heap and I, I wanted it a heap and we were battling to the line and it was neck and neck and I felt like I was just gaining towards the end and I was getting there and uh, I lunged for the line and felt that I had it. I, I kind of felt like I was in front of him at the line and I knew I'd got it and uh, <laughs> I was a bit surprised because he's got a lot of uh, leg speed too. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, pretty cool. Like, yeah, and you haven't been in the opposite position, have you, where someone's done that to you? You always seem to have the, the winning kick. Uh, no, I've, I've lost a few. Um, I think Mottram run for the kids oh, one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I remember that. <laughs> he gave me a bit of a sh- – he kind of cut the line and uh, coming into the finishing shoot, so I had to slow down because he cut me into a fence and then I had to run wide to the line. And I, I kind of felt like I got across the line first, but they said he got there first. So um, I guess they, they saw it a bit better than what I would have, so – um, yeah, he's, he's done it to me, and I think many other runners have done it to me before. So, um, yeah. Yeah, right. Hey, mate, uh, before I let you go, tell me about your hardest session. What's a session that you do and you just look back and think, yeah, that was pretty tough and you're glad it's done? Well, I'd say it was probably 
before Rio Olympics, my uh, four times six k session on the track and uh, on the track. Yeah, on the track. So it was, I was trying to just do lap after lap oh, after 15, lap, fifteen laps. <laughs> Competitive as possible, and uh, just make it such a mental challenge. And uh, I kind of felt that that was a really tough session. And by the third rep, I was kind of buggered, and I had one more to go. And I thought, oh, I'm going to really struggle to hit the time that I want to run in this one. And uh, managed to finish off strong that one um, quite well. So um, for the for that session, I did uh, 17:54. 1757, 1752, and uh, 1751. And on that last one, before I'd started, I just thought I was dead and just managed to just just hold on to that pace. And it just got harder and harder as that session went on. And, yeah, I was really happy with that one. So strong, well under three-minute Ks. Like, that would stack up as one of the quickest times of the day at, say, a Sandown, you know, 6K equivalent or Gels Park 6K. Like, that is um, top-notch and you've just done it four times. <laughs> yeah. Pretty crazy. And another thing, what's another session that you do and when you do it well, you know you're in good shape? Have you got kind of a – a go-to session that you like to do to give you an indication of current form? Oh, I guess it's probably, I guess it's depending on what you're training for. I guess for the shorter events, you're probably looking at a quarters or a mona. That can give you a pretty good indication on how you're going. And uh, I know that when I'm ticking under um, sub 14 for my uh, quarter session, I'm doing like 13.50 or a 13.40 something, that I'm in really good shape. And uh, but then, then again, it doesn't always pan out on race day to be to be that way. So uh, yeah, that's that's a session that I feel for track races, some of the shorter stuff. But uh, I guess for the longer stuff, I guess if I'm doing three times. Or three times or four times 6K for my marathons. I know that that gives me a pretty good indication of how I'm going and uh, and that in my programs. And I usually get a fair bit of confidence off doing a session like that. Yeah. Um, and that monofart work, what kind of distance are you covering in that 20 minutes on a good uh, day? On a good day, 6.7 through to – 6.8 I guess yeah yeah pretty insane uh, and I guess most of the other rest of the year I guess I'm probably covering more than 6.3 6.4 yeah yeah hey um another question when's I get I like to ask people at your level this question because it's often throws up probably answers that we don't expect but when have you had a running experience where you've had where you've learned a bit about yourself like off you know, after a good race or a bad race, but you've really come out of it learning about yourself and how you respond to, um, you know, good or bad things in running. I, I reckon uh, you get a lot of benefits out of your uh, bad races. When when things don't go well and you push towards the line, I think that just really helps you when everything goes well and everything goes to plan. Um, when, you, when you're in the, like... When you're having a good day, everything goes well, and it kind of feels like you're you've got that you're in the zone or whatever, and that. And I think the 
fact that if you can push through a hard day, I feel that that probably makes those days easier and easier. So I think some of my PBs, um, my my 5 and 10K PBs, they've felt like probably the easiest races. Like not quite the easiest races, but they've felt a lot easier than the days that you're running probably about a minute slower or whatever else and really struggling. So I feel that those those terrible days do have a lot of benefit in pushing through to the line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially when things aren't going well, kind of like hardening up yeah. and just getting it done. And, yeah, I think that if you if you do that, then that says something about your character, yeah, how much you want it and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Um, and then second last question is how do you judge success? So what does success look like for Liam Adams, the athlete? Um, it kind of just personal goals, achieving your personal goals really. Um, I guess you probably can't have other people dictate what your what success is for you um, because I guess they don't know they don't know the type of runner you are. They don't know what you're capable of and what you think you're capable of. And I think um, if you're orientated around running personal best and running the best you possibly can, you might not be in the best shape that you are, but if you can set yourself a goal and try and achieve that goal in that race, then I think that that says a lot about yourself. And I think... Yeah, I just feel that that can kind of form you as a character and yourself. And I feel for me that um, I've lost that a little bit, but I want to get that back. And I think that determination will will keep you running well. So hopefully I can find it soon. Yeah, and do you have, I always ask people this final question is, do you have a mantra or a quote or a philosophy or something that you try to live your life by? I guess you kind of just summed it up a bit a bit then with, you know, judging yourself on your own goals, but anything else you kind of live by? Uh, I'm not really a philosophical person and have quotes and that, but I guess you get what you put out. Like if you if you train train well, you train hard, but you train smart, then you put yourself in the best position to run the best you possibly can. So, um, you you basically dictate how you're going to run. So it's all about um, how much effort you want to put in, and if you put in that effort, then you'll you'll achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah, for sure, mate. Thanks again for your time today. Um, what's next race-wise? Like, where can the listeners kind of see your name popping up next? Is, is that it now for Com Game Standard? You kind of put down that 212 and that's your card shown or are you going to back up again or what's next? Well, I've still got to keep a little sneaky eye out on uh, a few of the boys which are racing in the next few weeks. And uh, I guess if I'm pushed out of that second position that I'm in at the moment, then I've got to really consider looking at running on that last day of the marathon qualifying period. So um, if I'm pushed out over the next few weeks, then uh, expect to see me training up for another marathon on the last day. But um, hopefully I don't have to do that. Um, But ideally I'd love to just try and run Zatapik and see if I can get into some 
all right shape for that. I kind of think that it's going to be tough coming off a marathon preparation and a program. So, and the fact that the rest of my track season is gone because if if I qualify for the Commonwealth Games, then my track season's gone, and I'll have to start focusing on preparing for um, Gold Coast. So, I guess um, Zadapik would be my next race that I might be looking towards. So yeah. It's a healthy time for men's marathoning though, isn't it? Like after a couple of years of it being kind of down, you got Collis stepping up and Chris Hamer and yourselves running well and Michael Shelley races tomorrow at Chicago. So it's an interesting time again. Yeah, how, how great is it really? Um, what, there's eight guys who've got the qualifying time for for uh, Gold Coast at the moment and there's definitely going to be more than that come come the end of the qualification period and you've got two guys around a top 10 in two of the biggest marathons marathons in the world so Shelley got top 10 in London, London and, yeah. and I, I got a pretty good result in Berlin and uh, yeah it's good I, I just feel that you, you've seen over the last five years how how much the women's marathon stepped up and kind of feel it's them being a bit more um Athletics Australia being a bit more relaxed with the um, qualification times and that. And I think it's encouraged a few guys to step up. And I think we're getting, I think the men's marathon right now is uh, getting stronger as, is getting quite strong at the moment. And it's probably a couple of years behind how much the uh, females marathons pro- progressed. But um, it's it's getting strong and it's exciting times for marathon running in Australia. Yeah, and especially you're right with those qualifying times a bit relaxed. Like, of course, well, you know, you're not going to run 218.59 and get picked to go to the Gold Coast. But it gives yeah. people hope and it kind of keeps the guys who are running, you know, 212, 214, 215 honest. Because if they have a bad day, all of a sudden there's these... You know, guys who have just aimed for that 218 and kind of had good days and run 217, 218, and yeah. all of a sudden they're, they've taken your spot if you have a bad one. That's it. It's it's quite competitive now, and it's, it's unknown because you don't always have the best race in a marathon. And as I've experienced, I was, what, fifth or I think I was ranked fifth going into Rio before the last day, so... If the qualification period was a few weeks earlier, then I probably missed my spot. So it is competitive, and and yeah, I think it's only going to get stronger and stronger. Yeah, yeah. just on that as well, I know we're about to wrap up, but I'm interested in your thoughts. We just talked about the current state of men's and women's marathoning and how it's in a good space, but how do you, well, what's your opinion on the state of kind of local and state and national level kind of track and field? <laughs> well, um, it's it's an interesting period at the moment. Um, <laughs> what are you laughing for? <laughs> oh well, I went down to Interclub just today, and oh geez, I, I think we've taken quite a few steps back with the progression of our sport today. Um, I think that that's probably going de- to what I saw today um, is probably going to deter mass participation in our sport. And it's also going to deter people from going down there and trying to run a decent time. I think I think at the moment there's going to be a lot more emphasis on um, Milers Club. I think there's going to be more participation in Milers Club, which is good. It's more of a performance event. 
But I don't know. It's concerning times. I feel that the club club atmosphere and environment's been taken away and it's going to be more of a, a zone versus zone in the future. And you're going to have to travel more than 40 or 50 minutes um, each each round. So it's not really a good time at the moment. I'm a bit nervous about what the future holds. Yeah, for, right. Yeah, and, and that's a it's worrying when a guy of your clientele who's been around the sport for you know twenty years has concerns as well. Yeah, well, I think well, Athletics Victoria has been the golden standard of athletics in Australia. Really, all the other states have been following what we've been doing, and we've just replicated something that has been terrible in another another state and they they're kind of trying to get out of that um type of um system and we've replicated that and we're going taking steps backwards when we should be where we're the ones which were setting the standard for the rest of australia and i think we've probably athletics victoria's probably has the most amount of uh memberships compared to Athletics New South Wales and stuff like that. and Well, even yeah. the numbers over winter are so healthy and the participation is yeah. huge for the AV cross-country and road racing season. Yeah, and you'll, you'll see Athletics New South Wales just introduced Milers Club and yeah. that's something we've had for a very long time and I think that's going to do some good things for um, Athletics in New South Wales. So. So give me some context though, because the last time I ran, you know, Shield or AV in Bendigo, it was you rock up, you put your name down for the fifteen hundred. The the fastest twenty guys are in heat one, the next twenty are in heat two, and you you kind of go head to head. Is it similar now, or what's the changes? Well, I guess it kind of used to be a bit of you rock up, you kind of know who's going to be there, and you talk to each other, and uh, you rock up and the official goes, right, who wants to run this time and under? And five people put their hands up. They go to the line. They go, all right, we need to fill this. So we'll go up to the next time increment, and then that would fill the rest of the heat. And then you'd have guys which were the same ability racing each other. And now it's a bit all over the place. I think um, what you have to do now is you have to register online on Wednesday and say that you're going to compete. And last year you got punished if you were to register and not compete on the day. You would get, I think it was like a two, you couldn't compete for two rounds or something like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Chris. Uh, but now they've, they've changed that now. I think they saw that that was a bit a bit stiff and a bit, bit too harsh of a punishment because like most athletes, some have to work on a weekend and that, and they've got other commitments. So they might think that they're going to race on Wednesday and they might put their name down by then, but something comes up on a weekend and uh, they can't run and then they get punished for it and then they miss another few weeks and there goes most of their track season. So it's a bit harsh. And I guess what we've seen with today, um, half, I guess for my club, Athletics Essendon, um, half of them went to – oh, well, a quarter went to Doncaster. 
um, half of them went to the other venue, um, other metro metro venue. I think it was Nutter Wadding, and then uh, another quarter were at Geelong competing. So everyone's all over the place. You don't have that team atmosphere and team environment and stuff like that. And I think yeah, it's, it's being killed off a bit. Yeah, I think you you now have to travel to compete in your local district events rather than going to your local club and competing there each week and getting the same type of competition that you usually would, you got to travel all over Victoria. I think next round for myself, I've either got to travel to Werribee or down to Frankston. Oh, and, uh, and you're in Essendon, Mooney Ponds. Both, yeah, both at least 40-minute drives. <laughs> a lot more towards Frankston, so yeah. For a four-minute 1,500 or an 8-minute 3K, it's a long way to sit yeah. in the car. Yeah. Yeah, and then I might rock up at 1.30. My, my event like today, um, a lot of people were under the impression that they were going to be competing at 1.30, and quite a few people weren't running until... I think the first female race was at three o'clock, and a lot of them were under the impression that they were running at one thirty. Running with the guys, it was a mixed event, but um, now it's supposed to be IAAF certified, so they've got to keep. They're not allowing mixed races. It's got to be male, strictly male versus male, and female versus female for qualification purposes. So they think that people are going to be running. Commonwealth Games qualifying standards at every heat at a shield event, and I I could not tell you the last time that someone ran or jumped or or threw a qualification at at a shield event, really. So I guess you're kind of suggesting to you know make it a bit more grassrootsy and keep on to that you know community and team feel for the shield yeah. focus, not kind of yeah let's make this really official so someone can hit a Commonwealth Games qualifier. Yeah, grassroots, and I actually feel that we need to go the opposite direction. We need to be a bit more relaxed with regulations and the rules and trying to make it IAAF certified. I think it needs to be a bit more relaxed and a bit more inviting to the general public. Yeah. I think if you, if you want to improve the amount of participation in that, be a bit more relaxed. Don't punish someone for putting their name down um, and not competing and telling them they can't compete yeah. for another week. You're banned for two weeks. Yeah. It's almost the um, complete opposite. Like we don't have track in a Chukamoama, but like we've got park run and that's kind of the complete, you know, everyone knows it starts at 8 a.m., you come down. doesn't matter if you're not registered, you just don't get your your time. But it's all about that participation and community building and you have a coffee with everyone afterwards and it's, I can see how that's appealing to people because you know, we got in the car at 7.45 this morning and kind of fanged it to there and got out of the car two minutes before and had it run and it's a complete opposite to Shield and then you're, you're not there for all day either. You can kind of get out of there five minutes after you run if you want to. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, it's, it's a lot more relaxed, those the park run and, say, a Milers club. So I think that's the reason why they're becoming quite appealing in this day and age. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely appeals to the masses. I reckon we could bang on about this all night, mate, but I'm conscious I've already taken up um, a stack of your time. So thanks for that chat today. We could talk around at any time. No problems, Brady. Cheers for that. No worries, mate, and have a good evening. Yeah, you too, mate. Cheers. Thanks.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 